0: Come one, come all, on. sit down, put on those headphones, crack up a stereo, turn on the laptop, whatever you've got to do to listen to yet another episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. As always, I am the mod father of professional wrestling, Morgan Webster, or oh, for the next 45 minutes to the hour, to the hour and a half, however long this conversation with Clint Margero goes this week, I, of course, am your host, or oh, as I like to see it, facilitator through his chat discussion gatherings. You know me, I absolutely love that word, gatherings. With your wrestling favourites, or as I like to call them, or in this case, a very extreme wrestling friend. Of course, I say it every week, but I guess if you are listening, you kind of already know, but maybe, maybe you're unsure. Of course, this podcast does come to you free of charge every Wednesday, and we're able to do that through iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, or wherever, wherever you get your podcast from. But we're able to do that in part thanks to our sponsors over to DefendingTheWrestling.com. We're also able to do that thanks to uh, you guys supporting over at MorganWebS.BigCartel.com. I've got my last couple t shirts over there, I've got a few more DVDs as well, but I uh, will be having some new uh, t shirts in stock in the next couple of weeks, and I'll be explaining why in a second. But uh, yeah, by all means, jump over to MorganWebS.BigCartel.com, support us that way, or of course, go and support DefendingNewWrestling.com because by helping sponsors, of course, you help us. I say this big circle of positivity, and it really is great. But of course, I do understand. And that not everyone can afford to do that. And do not expect it. So uh, if you do want to give something back. If you do want to say, hey Flash, loving the podcast. Please, please, please keep these going. And, and if you haven't got the money to do so. Then please jump over to uh, the social media and give me a shout out. I love seeing those. So either on the Twitter, at Flash underscore Morgan. Either on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster. Instagram, at Flash Morgan Webster. Or of course, if you do want to be a little bit more discreet. Maybe you want to be a sponsor. Or maybe you want to give me some tech advice. I love I love seeing those emails. You can drop me an email over at uh, flashmorgan at live.co.uk. Love seeing those tweets. Love seeing those Facebook posts. Love seeing those Instagram notifications. And I love getting those emails. So please, if you cannot support uh, Defending Your Wrestling and you can't jump over to the website.bigcartel.com, then please just give me a shout out because I do, I do, I do love seeing those. So yeah, before I jump into the conversation with uh, Clint Margero this week, which is a cracking conversation, really nice to sit down with Clint and uh, finally get a chat with him. I say it every week, but uh, sometimes you just really don't get a chance to sit down and chat with your mates. So uh long time coming, really good to sit down with uh, Clint. But before we get into that, just want to kind of uh, go over my uh, bit of a review for the last week. So yeah, not a lot happened really, not much. Uh, you know, I popped down to progress on Sunday before I catch a show. And then at the end, I just thought, you know, Maybe me and Mark uh, Haskins could return and be cleared to wrestle. So yeah, hey, I'm back. I'm back, baby, and it was absolutely great. I'm I'm not even gonna lie. I was stood behind the curtain, nervous as hell. You know, it's, 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 yeah, I do get those lovely tweets off you guys, but some it, it, part of me, part of me was really afraid that I was going to come through the curtain and nobody would really care. And uh, maybe you guys have forgotten about me a little bit. Yeah, I know you listen to the podcast and I see the tweets and I appreciate it all. But part of me was maybe you had forgotten me, but it's behind the curtain. And the uh, first chords of In The City played and you guys went absolutely berserk. And even in a parker, even and all that spotlight, and even in front of uh, the sold-out electric ballroom with all that heat in that building, I still had goosebumps. And I walked out on that stage with the biggest smile on my face. To you guys going absolutely berserk, and I and I and it honestly from the bottom of my heart, it means it means the absolute world that I got that response, and I I came home, I came back stage first off, and uh, spoke to a few people back there, and I was just overwhelmed by it all. And when I go home in the night, spoke to the girlfriend, and she'll tell you as well that it just blew me away. You absolutely blew me away. Not only have you guys supported me all the way through this injury, and you've made it, uh, you've you've been the driving force behind me wanting to come back. And wanting to make sure that when I do come back, I'm 100. percent I'm able to go as well. But you've made my return to the ring one of the moments that I will never ever forget. So anyone who was down there, big big thanks, big big thanks for that. Really really appreciate it. But um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess I'll run through. So yeah, came down came down at the end of the show. British strong style. Came out on the stage, but just just before I decided to go down and uh, whoop their asses, I kind of pointed to the stage and was like, "Oh, maybe I move somebody else." And out came Haskins, and I said this said this on Sunday that everyone seemed to get ten inches taller when Haskins came out. So it was like my my reaction was big. His was fucking incredible, and then we went down and we just tore it up and absolutely cleared house. And of course, he then said uh, we had a little bit of a, a moment in there, and then he said then at the end that the uh, that we're all cleared to wrestle and. You guys went absolutely crazy again. And then I spent a good... Maybe good two or three minutes just getting in the crowd. And I think I might have gone to Gadge at some point that I fucking loved him. And I think he said he loved me. And I was like, I love you too. And again, just in, just incredible. There's some absolutely world-class photos from Rob Brazier and from James White. So please go check those out there on the Twitter, on the social media, on the Instagram, everything. I'm messing my words up. This is a little bit emotional about this. But incredible. I don't think... I'll ever forget how I felt on that on that, on that day. Uh, so oh, from start to finish, from the moment I came through the curtain to the moment I was choking out uh, Pete Dunn with the Strangler. That's my new guillotine. And then uh, to uh, us leaving through the curtain at the top. Absolutely world-class. Absolutely fantastic. I don't think that even that covers it. So yeah, brilliant to just be back in the ring and to see that uh, you guys were happy to see me as I am to see you. So, yeah, thanks to Progress for it all. Big thanks to Haskins as well for making it all special. And uh, big thanks to you guys, because, again, you guys have been the driving force behind this podcast, behind my uh, return, and just making sure I'm 100% so I can entertain you guys. I know I do love to wrestle, but I wouldn't love it half as much if I didn't have you guys supporting me and loving what I'm doing. So it really is, from the bottom of my heart, means the world. It really does. And yeah, I think that really does cover it. So now the plug's are out of the way. Now the uh, information on my lovely return is out the way. And you've definitely 100% heard me gabbering on for far, far too long now. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy as I have a quality chat with Fight Club Pro's Clint Margera. Enjoy, guys. This one's a fucking corker. Yep. I'm joined today by Clint Margera. Thank you very much for uh, allowing me to come to your house. Thank you very much <laughs> as for I said, you, uh, having me. It's a very nice area. It is. It is. It's horizon, right, it? it's quiet. It's nice. You know, I, d- I like the canal boats. That I, as I drove past. It's so, it's, it's, it's very it's very elegant. <laughs> it's very it's a big, great word. word. <laughs> uh, how I like to start these off is very simple. Because again, I say this all the time. But we've been in the locker room with each other loads of times. We've been at shows all the time. But you never get the chance to sit down and go. Okay, when we do fall in love with wrestling, what was your first early memory of wrestling? So I'd like to just strip it back, go right to the start.
1: Um, the earliest memory I have is watching WrestleMania eight uh, on like a VCR that my dad had got because we couldn't afford Sky, so we had a friend who would film, uh, sorry, record the uh, the wrestling on Sky. That's
0: exactly the same.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> WrestleMania eight, and it was just from the the intro with Vince McMahon in the ring. All those people in that venue, and then the whole show was amazing. Like, I think Shawn Michaels versus El Matador was the opener, <clears throat> and everything about it was just brilliant. Like, the uh, Bret Hart Roddy Piper match is one, like, one of my favorite matches of all time. Like the story that they told, uh, where he goes to hit him with the bell, and Bret mm. Hart's bleeding, the crowd are going absolutely ballistic. And then Randy Savage Flair. Ultimate Warrior coming back and as soon as the tape stopped I'm pretty sure that we just rewound it and then watched it again. So was your your dad a big wrestling fan? No, no. uh, He was just into it because uh, me and my brother were so he would just he knew that we would probably really, really enjoy watching this so he just got the tape stuck it on and we just sat there like I say watched it probably about three times in a row maybe and that was it really. From then on we were just wrestling each other in my mum and dad's bedroom and superplexing each other off the windowsill and breaking beds and pretending to be these wrestlers that we saw. So where did
0: the hardcore come into it? Because if anyone's seen you wrestling, which I'm guessing the majority of the people who are listening to this have seen wrestle, mm. you are a deathmatch, you are a hardcore wrestler. So where was... we did the hardcore wrestling? Where did the love of that come in?
1: Um, it was from seeing ECW for the first time. I think I was about 15. How did and you see it? We were at a friend's house. Um, and we got all the, we were just drinking and, and just hanging out and we got all the sofas got all the cushions off the sofa, put them all on the floor and started wrestling and yeah, then, you do. and then, uh, we had Bravo, uh, the old TV channel yeah. Bravo and they used to show ECW on a Saturday, I think at like 11 till 12 and it I just looked at the TV and I just heard Thunder Kiss 65 by Rob <laughs> Zombie. Uh, and I was seeing all these, like, Sabu moonsaulting into the crowd and the uh, the footage of Tommy Dreamer hitting Raven in the cage. And, like, from then I was just like, what the hell is this? What is this? Like, people were going through tables, there was chairs, there was fire, people were jumping off cages. And I was like, that's the wrestling that I want to do. I want to do silly, silly things and get massive reactions. And so, it was just from then on and... Um, I think we got a tape of the first ever King of the Death match in 1995, the Kawasaki dream. How did uh, did you get that? um, Brother knew someone who could get videos where it was like streamed from America. Okay. So it was streamed from America somehow and it got put onto a video. So this
0: was was tape trading pretty
1: much? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, Because I'm after this, so when people talk about... Tape
0: trading. I'm very much like I can't even fathom yeah. how it
1: how, it, how yeah. it worked. I think on the same video it was Heat Wave '99 and the the original King of the Death Match tournament. And then when it got to the final, Cactus Jack Terry Funk that no rope barbed wire C4 exploding Death <laughs> House. Um, and it was just the sheer like the brutality and like the whole the whole punishment that 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 they were giving each other throughout the whole tournament and still being able to get back up and like literally just tape up a cut and then carry on. It was like watching like gladiators. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. Not like the I T V show Gladiators. Like (laughs) like it was just battle. It was just warriors just beating the hell out of each other and seeing how much they can just take and keep getting back up. And from then on I was just anything that had a table in it or a ladder. I just I was glued to it. So the whole Hardy Boys, Edge and Christian, Dudley's that whole stretch, the whole Attitude era with the hardcore title. That's the stuff that I always was looking forward to when I was watching like Raw or, you know, like early SmackDown. Well, I know it gets to an age
0: when you're watching Mastery and you kind of start to figure out that it's it's a show and it's mm. not it's not real. When you started seeing ECW and you started seeing King of the Death Match, was there part of you that thought? Maybe this is real. Maybe this is real wrestling. Or did or did you know that it it was still a show?
1: Uh, I knew it was still a show, but you can't like the stuff that they were doing were real. Like it's real barbed wire. It's like real tables. Like those chairs are metal. Like so, even though you know it's still a show, you just get lost in it, don't you? You just get sucked in, and and you just like well, there's just blood everywhere. There's barbed wire everywhere. There's and there's but there's people, there's like real life people in the ring at the same time. So even though you know it's still a show, I just I just lost myself in it anyway and I just forgot the fact that, you know, people think that wrestling's whatever, but you just get lost in it, don't you? And you just sucked in and it just it just drew me in so much that that's all I wanted to do, is wanted to be a hardcore wrestler.
0: So when did you make the transition to becoming a wrestler? Um
1: well, we started off, as quite a few people did, backyarding. Yep, I did. Um,
0: what, was your, what was your backyard name?
1: Uh, my backyard name was uh, Dave Angel. <laughs> Dave Angel. I was a massive fan of the fashion. Okay. And Dave Angel was my favourite character. <laughs> uh, and I, my finisher was the Swanton Bomb, but I called it the Moonlight Shadow. Oh, because nice. that was the theme music that played on the Fasho before lot, the Dave Angel story. A lot a lot a lot of thought went into Yeah, <laughs> Storytelling from day one. So yeah, uh, my name was Dave Angel. Um funnily enough, like in the backyard that's where Trent Seven the name was born. Yep. Um and we had loads of stupid wrestling names. Uh, some people like had rip offs of like E C W names, like this one lad uh, had um what was it? Oh, a yeah, trance storm. <laughs> he was really into like proper hard trance, but he also really enjoyed Lance Storm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so we backyarded, uh, and then we would just do shows for like friends, and they'd come over, and we'd have like whose garden was it? Uh, Martin Zaki's. Okay. He's uh, a- a- always always the promoter. <laughs> always promoting promoting around his college. You know, come on come on down. We'll have a barbecue, have some beers, and then me and all my mates will just. Dick around in this wrestling ring that we built in his back garden. How did you build
0: the ring? I'm quite interested by this because how we build it might be different to you.
1: Uh, well, it was a telephone, like telegraph poles. Okay. Uh, and they were dug into his garden. And then it was uh, hose, hose pipe yep. wrapped around the posts. And then we had like a few inches of foam and then uh, a nice black carpet on top. Mm-hmm. So it was on grass? Yeah, it was on grass. It wasn't off the floor.
0: Now see, we couldn't we <laughs> couldn't figure out how to get the to get the post to stay. So we just built an elevated ring. So it was like we went down the garage and asked yeah. for forty nine tires, seven by seven. This is how we thought. Right. Okay. We set this for a media <laughs> project. They delivered the tires to uh, Walbo's house. Yeah. So we had forty nine tires. Then we had mattresses. Then we had wood on top of that. All that was like roped in and, and tight. Then jigsaw mats, and then went down to a carpet place and asked for carpet padding, and they gave us all the carpet padding and then tarpaul in or secure it on top. That's techers, that Isn't is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took us, ages,
1: took us years of getting it wrong to get <laughs> it. Out. That's good tech. I, I think I remember... I don't think I was there when they were putting the telegraph poles in, but I definitely remember hearing that as they were doing it, uh, mine's dad walked down the side of the garden <laughs> as they were like digging these big holes to put these telegraph things in. And I'm sure that I was told that he turned around and he went, what are you doing? And they told him and he went, you don't do it like that. So I was just like... <laughs> We're just, just digging hole, digging full massive holes
0: in your garden. Like, it's, it was crazy. <laughs> not,
1: not, what,
0: you're going to kill yourself? Yeah. You know, you're doing it wrong, let me build a thing yeah, properly. Not like, what
1: are you doing to my garden? What are you doing? You're doing it wrong. <laughs> so that was b- bizarre. Um,
0: How long did your backyard before you... Uh, took the move to go pro
1: um, I think we only did it for like two summers uh, So that we just do it for like the whole six weeks of the summer um, because then we you know we had summers where it didn't rain or piss it down yeah, yeah, yeah. for the whole six weeks we actually had hot summers so we could just do that for like six weeks and we do like we. I can't remember, some of the show names were ridiculous we had like a King of the Ring that was called 8 to 1 um, they had an earlier show that I wasn't part of called Capital Cockknocker uh I don't know where it came from.
0: Jane Silent Bob, I feel.
1: Uh, possibly. I think it might have been been before Jane oh, Silent yeah. Bob. I mean this is I was like fifteen, I think, when we were doing this. When was this. this
0: nineteen
1: nineteen? Oh God, maths. Not my strong point. Um a while ago. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Um yeah, so we backyarded for like a couple of summers. And then um we j we just stopped wrestling. We like all still really enjoyed it and still watched it and like went round each other's houses for like pay per views and stuff. Um, and then, you know, they all they were all older than me, so everyone got jobs and some people moved away and you know, we all came back a few years later and someone we were just sitting around talking and someone just said, Oh, do you remember the like the backyard wrestling that you used to do? Or you should start doing it again? And or this can you remember who this was? I've got no idea who it actually was. No. Can't remember. But whoever it was should be credited for the oh. idea because okay. Because then, like, you know, they turned around and went, well, if we're going to do it properly, then let's just buy a ring. So I
0: love the fact that you guys went, and and I know this, you went and bought a ring. Did you not think to look for a training school, or was you going to local shows or anything like that?
1: Um, We did go to local shows. We used to go to K-Star shows, um, and they were mainly, well, the ones that we went to were mainly in um, Ansdale Leisure Centre in Womburn. So we, get, we go to the K-Star shows and I, we started chatting with Steve Logan. Okay. He was the promoter there. Um, so we chatted with him for a bit and I went to a few of his shows. And we did go to one seminar in Perry Bar um, where it was just... It was a, a big matted area and there was there was about 25 of us. Um, and I'm pretty sure... And I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it to him before, but I'm very sure that Spud was there. Okay. Like, as... Like training as well, um, and the only person I remember who was like a trainer there was um, Carl Misery. I don't know. If yeah, you, yeah. Um, so we were we were just doing like drills and stuff there, and they had like a, a little cornered off a bit in another room where they had like a like a small ring where you could just do some in-ring uh, in ring stuff. But incidentally, that's where I actually broke my first light tube.
0: Okay, <laughs> one of,
1: the, one, of the, one of the things that we were doing was um, like. Picking, picking each other up for the vertical <laughs> super legs. Yeah. So my friend who was actually, Tratt Storm, who was there, uh, he he picked me up and I had my legs bent and like calm misery was like, oh, point your legs out, like, point your feet out. So I did and then this just shattered light tube just went everywhere. So that was actually the first time. The I
0: adrenaline course yeah. through your veins. Yeah. So like, oh, Flashbacks God. to glass. Uh, oh, glass, I'm just going to just just funk.
1: Like, oh, light tubes all over the floor. I'm just going <laughs> to into them. Um... Yeah, so we we did that and then we just kinda like just started training ourselves, really, when we got the ring. Uh when we, we had it shipped in from America. Um we stored it in a the Scout hut at Penn Cricket uh, Club. Yep. Yeah. The infamous hut.
0: Do you feel that the shows you were going to, and I can imagine K Star and the other shows around you, were very child oriented, very family oriented. Mm. Do you reckon it was very much the reason you guys decided not to train and get a ring yourself, is it just wasn't the wrestling that you guys wanted to do? Because I know that when I came to the Midlands, Fight Pro was completely different to anything else Mm. in the area. So do you reckon that was one of the big factors on you guys going, we're not going to train, we're just going to do it ourselves? Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, Yeah, they they were very, very family-orientated. and You know, it was very, like, booyah, all that kind of stuff. But I think because we were when we were into wrestling it was ECW the Attitude Era it was you know there was swearing there was hardcore wrestling there was you know people doing crazy flips and all this stuff and I think we always wanted to do that kind of wrestling because that's what we were completely immersed with Um, so when we yeah when we started to train ourselves we were like well we want to train to do the wrestling that we watch like the hardcore stuff the Attitude Era stuff you know
0: what would go on to become British stuff so pretty much?
1: Well, I suppose, essentially, mm-hmm. yeah, essentially, that, that's correct. Um, yeah, so we would just start, we'd just train ourselves and we went to, it didn't really start getting super serious until we went to, I think we went to the King of Europe Cup in 2007. Okay, where was that? Uh, that was at Liverpool Olympia. Okay. Um, and That was like the, the weekend that Alex Shane ran, this King of Europe Cup. Like Rhino was there, uh Nigel McGuinness was there, and it was the first time that we were seeing like these big name American wrestlers who weren't in WWE, like Ring of Honor, you know, Chris Heroes. The independent, Casting- stars, yeah. independent stuff in in England. So we were super excited for that weekend. And then uh Matt Sidal and Ryo Saito yep. came back to Wolverhampton after the weekend and just did like this huge, massive seminar with us till about half past one in the morning um, and then just like ironed out all of the things that we taught ourselves what we were doing wrong yeah I get in uh, so after that that was just like right now we know how to do the basics like actually properly like now we can like get serious and start doing like actual shows and then that's just how Fight Pro was born the original name was SWF which didn't really stand for anything <laughs> so where did
0: Fight Club Pro come from uh,
1: we were just we did a couple of shows as SWF and then we didn't really know what it stood for it was, it was just whatever you wanted it to, to stand for and we were just sitting around in the pub the one night and we were like oh we need like a cool name if we're going to do this properly um, and uh, I think it was Trent actually who said what about Fight Club Pro and then we all just looked at it through and we were like yeah that's cool Fight Club's the best film ever made that's cool let's call it Fight Club Pro that was it
0: and you started running shows in the in the Critic Club? Yeah,
1: we'd run shows in the... How many in...
0: people could you fit in there? Because it was tiny, man. Um,
1: it was very, very, very small. Mm-hmm. You couldn't fit a lot in there. No, I think
0: I went to training maybe twice there before it moved. I think he was still doing shows at the Planet. Yeah, he was still doing shows at the Planet, I think, by the time yeah. I was going in, but it was being stored still at the yeah. for training.
1: Yeah. Um. A hundred, maybe. Maybe not even that. Like, it was that small, and I think the last show that we had there, we probably broke loads of fire regulations, because people were, like, sitting in the entranceway. Like, the entranceway just got s- smaller and smaller, so you were literally, like, crabbing out of, the, out of the curtain to get to the ring. Were
0: these just friends and family?
1: Uh, yeah, it, it started off as just friends and family, and then, like, every couple of shows, like, people would turn Rude up, enough. and you'd kind of be like, I don't know who that is. And then they'd be like, oh, I've told all my friends about this. And they've bought their friends, and they've bought their friends. And it just, yeah, it was just totally word of mouth. And it was like £5 to get in. Um, it was just, it was just like crazy, super close to the ring wrestling.
0: But the name as well, Fight Club Pro, must have just summed up exactly what you guys were doing. Mm-hmm. And like 20 months ago, if you heard about this Fight Club Pro, yeah. it's like this underground wrestling. Mm-hmm. You So like, to anyone else, whenever other people must hear the name Fight Club Pro, don't know of it they must just go what a weird name but then Mm. I feel that if you know Fight Club Pro from the start it makes complete sense why it's called Fight Club Pro
1: yeah definitely we always wanted it to be like really underground and like almost have that like you know punk rock feel about it Um, because like at the time when we started out people had such a perception of British wrestling I think that you know it wasn't serious or do you know what I mean something like that so we, we never, whenever we advertise, we never use the word wrestling. So people, were it was a dirty word, wasn't it? it? For a time, I think it was. Yeah, for a time. So when we were on Facebook and stuff, everything was just the the word wrestling was never mentioned on anything. Um. So people would just go Fight Club Pro. What is that? It sounds like it sounds like some underground like boxing club or yeah. something. So they would turn up, and then you know we just. Kill each other with wrestling, and, and it was a uh, yeah, it was really really underground. Um, but that's you, that's what we wanted. Was
0: you doing hardcore stuff on the start?
1: Um, yeah, as soon as like we got the ring, and I knew that we were just gonna start doing this properly. I was just like, well, I just I want to be the hardcore guy. That's that's what I want to do. I just want to be the hardcore guy.
0: When did you all make the choice then to move to the planet?
1: Uh, it was after the the last show that we did. Um in the hut, and we were we realized that like we probably can 't do another one because you don 't do it yeah we we had we totally outgrown it, and luckily um we found the planet quite quickly. we had a show it was the first show of the planet um we had Kyle o 'Reilly over, I think it was the first time that he'd been to the it UK just... two thousand and ten yeah,
0: it would have been I think i moved I moved all around in two thousand and ten, yeah. I think you guys are just happening in bigger shows. Mm. So, how do you find the planet? Um, You've been going there. For, you must have been going there for years. but both, both of you must have been going there for years. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: and I, I, and, and I, yeah. I, I used to go religiously Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday with night. with a cup.
0: Huh? It was, you used to do the cup, didn't there. Uh,
1: even before that. Yeah. Yeah, even before that, I just I was I wasn't living at home at the point. I was sharing a house with some friends, and we would just we would go to the planet three nights a week without fail. It's my favorite place to go. Before. Oh I loved it. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Sticky floors, dingy rock. Indie downstairs, yeah. rock upstairs. Indie downstairs, everything something for everyone. Down Broad Street, which is not the best street in Wolverhampton. And everything about it just kind of fit like the fight club pro vibe. But we had we had the show booked at the hut when Kyle came over and then about a week before we were told that we couldn't do it there. So we were scrambling around, like, you know, Carl's flight was already sorted, like, he was, you know, already here, so we were just scrambling around, and luckily, um, we were just like, what about the planet, they might let us do it, um, I think, uh, Zaki, like, knew Mick, who owned it, yeah. so we, uh, we were talking to him, and he was just like, yeah, I'll let you do it, it was, it was totally just meant to be like a one-off, I think, until we found somewhere else. But once we'd set the ring up and everything and the crowd were in there we were, and the show was over, we were just like, let's just do shows here all the time.
0: How did you get Kyle over? Because at the time you said there wasn't a lot of people bringing over American independent stars. So how did you manage to go? And Kyle wouldn't have been a big name at that. He would have been somebody making a bit of a stir.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it's because we, were, we got on quite well with David Richards. Okay. Um, and he would always message... Um, about, like, coming over and stuff. So uh, how did that relationship to former DB? Uh, Zaki, I think. Zaki and, and, and Trent, just uh, just chatting with him. Um, actually, completely forgetting the fact that they did Independence Day in 2008. Okay. So all of those guys were on there, like Danielson. And that, was that in... That was in the Wolfram.
0: Okay, right. So they so they had... Fight the Pro did Independence Day in the Wolfram? Mm-hmm. Okay. And how many did they get in on that? Uh,
1: I think they had... Uh, f- about 400 on the Saturday Fuck. maybe and then I think 2008 that that's huge yeah <laughs> and then I think on the Sunday it might have been a little bit less maybe 350
0: was Trenton on the show or was it just uh,
1: no it was it was purely imports they um, was still under the Fight Club Pro banner well it was ju- it wasn't really under any banner like um, Ben and Zach just promoted it got yeah. we tried to keep the Fight Club Pro name um, separate separate to it so they promoted it. Um, we originally had we're gonna have uh, New Japan people come over as well, uh, but that kind of that fell through. But it was like uh, there was Ring of Honor guys. There was uh, WXW had a guest match. In fact, that was might have been the first time that I saw Tommy End. Yeah. Um, and Thumbtack Jack was there as well, so I got to see some of the hardcore stuff. Sick. Um, Kenny Omega was here. Um. Cause he was doing. That was when he was doing like DDT yeah. in Japan. Uh, but yeah, Danielson was here. But uh, Briscoes and then we had like uh, Spud was on it. Saber was on it as well. <clears throat> and it was just and because Davey was here, they just started talking. And it was the first time that Davey and Eddie teamed up. Got it the American Wolves. So that's they always credit that.
0: Yeah, that is right. That's why they got here uh, last day's true I something yeah.
1: he tell me that in the in the car once. Um, so it was just that that relationship just built from like uh, Independence Day, and David would always tell uh, Trent and Zach about Kyle O'Reilly, saying so, like, "Oh, he's you know he's like training with me. He's like I'm mentoring him. He's really good. Like he really wants to come over to the UK, and I think you guys would be great at looking after him." Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's that's how that started with uh, with Kyle.
0: Hey guys, do you love Morgan Webster's wrestling friends? Well, now's your chance to see it live. In association with Attack Pro Wrestling's Chris Travis Tag Team Invitational, Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends will be coming to you live from the Catays Community Centre on the 5th of March. Times and guests are yet to be announced, but all proceeds will be given to the Cavendish Cancer Care in memory of Chris Travis. So if you're in the Cardiff area that weekend, or even if you're not, get down to the Kittes Community Centre, make a donation, and watch me host. Or as I like to see it, facilitate a gathering that is sure to be a lot of fun. So was that the did that open the relationship as well for other people to come over then? Because as I said I came in 2010 to Wolverhampton, and I think you guys were you really were one of the first promotions outside of IPW, mm. which went on to become RevPro, of course. That were actually using big indie stars or stars that were getting an internet buzz about them. Mm. So was that? Do you reckon that was the relationship then started forming. Cause I remember you guys did. Was it CZW versus Fight Club Pro? Yes.
1: Yeah. That was the first project I had. But
0: <laughs> was was that the show do you reckon that put Fight Club Pro on, on the map?
1: Um, I think it helped. Like the the, the 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 birth of the cage, uh, helped us a lot as well. Because I think people started then coming because they were told, "Oh, there's this wrestling in the planet, and they've got a cage around the ring." All so, the time. Which you, ne- which you don't ever see. So it was a, all the time then. Um, initially, obviously, for the Bound of Violence uh, CZW show, it was because we were having like light tubes and we thought it would be a nice way of protecting people. Yeah, and, which
0: is, yeah, fair point.
1: But yeah, it just... Then I think the word of mouth started going with, like, oh, it's in, like, a cage and then there's the ring and it's all grubby and sweaty. And I think like, having the cage definitely, like... ...made more people come and check us out.
0: I feel that when I came to the Midlands... ...I feel like you guys were becoming very protective over the product... ...and I understand... ...then I didn't quite understand why. Now I look back and I totally understand why. But... ...was it out of fear that... ...people were trying to jump on the hype train... ...that you guys had created... ...that you'd worked so hard to produce? you reckon that was one of the reasons. Um, Can I know like... ...I feel like Attack and Vital Pro have grown around about the exact same time, and I think that they were built on the core beliefs of the exact same thing. Mm. We were watching independent wrestling, doing these music videos, and that's all we wanted to produce, was super indie shows. Yeah. And you were on the flip side, where you wanted to hit, create these British strong style shows. And I know that we were quite protected at the start. Do you reckon that's, what, do you reckon that's why you guys were quite protected? You didn't want anyone else kind of just jumping on the on the hype trend
1: yeah it it, it was very like close knit when we started it was like these are the guys that we want to use Um, you know we trust these people these are the people that we want on the shows you know we had we we had a good core roster Um, and then yeah I know what you mean like we were very protective over it it was just like this is what we want to do we didn't really pay much attention to other companies but we we just wanted to be completely different to everything else that you could go to on like a Friday or a Saturday night, and we wanted it to be more like a night out, so you'd go and watch the wrestling and have a few beers, and then you just go to a club or something and do everybody else but we yeah we we were protective over it, we wanted it to be our special thing it was like this is we want this to be ours and you know the the people who turn up to our shows and we want them to just feel as protective over it as we did. Well, I feel as well
0: that you were super protective over it. And then the last going off, in the planet especially, I feel like you, you guys stopped being, becoming protective. And then Fight Club almost lost its identity a little bit because there were so many people showing up that weren't Fight Club Pro regulars. And I feel like it became just another indie promotion. Mm. But now it's moved back to the fixing; it's got that identity back again. Would you say that's correct?
1: Um at a point, yeah. I, I think, um, I mean, I was away from Fight Club Pro for about a year and a half. So I, you know, didn't really see that any initial change, like, first-hand. Of course, yeah. Obviously, I'd, you know, pay attention to what was happening with, with the shows and stuff. And, like, they were still having, like, big shows, like, big names, like, would come over. I mean, they had, like, they had Steen over and, yep. you know, like, names like that. But, you know, we would brought in big crowds but I think it got some kind, kind of got to a point where people almost expected there to be like an import. You. When you do a show at that point where you didn't have an import or it wasn't a big enough name, people would be like, "Ah, oh, I'll see what they just do next month." Got you. But I think a lot, of sh- I think a lot of companies have probably felt that at some point. Uh, I think at one point, wrestling over here became quite import heavy. And I think people felt like you needed to keep bringing name after name after X WWE guy after current TNA guy, and I think a lot of shows felt like that's what you needed to bring a crowd in. So when you didn't have that, people were like oh you know I'll just I'll wait until the next one. See mm. who see who that announced. Well, that year out you had
0: from Fight for Pro, you were branching out. Then you were going different places. Mm. So you were going to the likes of Kamikaze. Uh, Hope as well had you in for, was it the first ever Big yeah the, Yeah, the No Canvas. Yeah? Yeah. So, how did you find that? How did you find, you were just in Fight Club, that's all you were doing. How did you find it when you started branching out and going to different places?
1: Um, it was it was weird, like, I obviously, you know, you want to kind of wrestle more places, but because I was just so, Fight Club is like my home. Uh, so when you go somewhere else and <clears throat> you're in a locker room with people that you've never met before, it is a little bit weird and I I kind of like went into myself a little bit when well, I've been there yet, I, um, I mean like I, there's there was good guys in those in locker in those locker rooms and stuff and like the, the no canvas match at Hope uh, it was just a crazy that was with uh, Jack, Jack Jester yeah. yeah like crazy concept never been done before in the UK you never know how like the crowd are going to react to it it wasn't really billed as a hardcore show or an over 18 show so there were some unhappy parents in the crowd when, you know, me and Jester are both bleeding. We've got like drawing pins out, and you know their kids are going like their kids are cheering, but they don't really want them to cheer. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that that was it was a, like it was a cool match, and like, I go I enjoy doing it, and I can and you know I can at least say that I've done that kind of match. Yeah, big boards match. Yeah. yeah, but then like you take like the initial first hit on the boards, and you kind of forget that there's no pad, there's no like. You know, and there's nothing else there. It's just metal and wood. He's like, like the first initial fall on them, and it just t- takes the wind right out of you. But it was a cool show. Like, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then Kamikaze. Uh, yeah, that was just it's just totally different to the Fight Club Pro stuff that I was doing. Um, you know, Kamikaze's quite initially like family orientated, but. I had me do a, a run-in uh, on Chris, uh, and I started there as a as a heel. Uh, and they wanted to set up this little thing with me and Chris, and uh, yeah, it was fun. It was just nice to be back in front of a crowd. And then, like two months later, after the kamikaze, that's when I came back to Fight Club. How did you come back to Fight Club? What um, was the storyline going into that? There was a, after the Kevin Stein trent 7 match, NK... Uh, McKinnon came back out and he was on his crutches because yep. he'd, he'd hurt his leg. So he, he was on his crutches and I think Sting was going to give Trent the package pile driver. And MK comes out and he's like, "No, you can't do it. Match is finished. Like it's not professional and all this." And then uh, Trent's on his knees. MK drops the crutches and then super kicks uh, Trent. Yeah. And um, so MK like turned on the Fight Club Pro crowd and he'd been like the biggest like babyface that we had. He was, like, bleach blonde hair and super, like, jazzy gear. They and saw him grow up. Yeah, 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 Japanese version of the Back to the Future music. Yeah. And everyone was, like, always, like, massive, massive MK fans. And they did this big turn and everyone just got on his back. So him and Trent had a little uh, little angle. Um, and it was in it was on the second night of Infinity in December of that year. And uh, MK started to have his little crew, like the KYS. Yep. So they're all beating on Trent and uh MK's, like just shouting in his face with a microphone, and then he's about to hit him with a kendo stick, and then that's when my music hit and made the save. The place was crazy. I was there. Emotional. It was good. It was emotional. Feel good to be back. Yeah, it was great. I've I've missed it so much, and when they initially approached me about coming back, I was like, yes, 100%. <laughs> you don't even need to ask. Just tell me when and where.
0: My head. I've got you just waiting by your phone. Every, every
1: waiting pretty much, a call. yeah, pretty much for the whole time. I was just sitting there going, "Oh God, I really miss like Pro." So yeah, so when it when it initially came, when it finally came, I was just I was buzzing. But I was I was nervous because I just thought you know I hadn't been there for a year and a half. You know the crowd had changed. You know, are people even gonna a remember me or b? care I know this fear I know this yeah. fear we were talking about this earlier yeah. on big fears about this so obviously I was just standing behind the curtain and like you know but newer people were there as well like Hitch was there I was there, you yeah. were there and um I was just standing there like I think Steph was there as well no, Nixon so I was just standing there and I was just like oh my god I'm so nervous and all I've got to do is just walk out face do a face off and maybe do something else but I was just like what if I walk out and people like who's this guy <laughs> Who is he? It? It's never going to happen. Who is he and why is he coming out to the Viva La Band music? <laughs> Which is brilliant, by the way. It is one
0: of my favourite musics That's in right, British look. wrestling. <laughs> absolutely love it. Uh, you talked about the Bill Bones match and you talked about how he took that bump and it absolutely destroyed you in the first couple of minutes yeah. and how it was a big shock. With hardcore wrestling, there are always these big moments that some people react to, well, some people react big to and they don't hurt at all. And there can be other moments where it's something small that people don't really react to. They go, ooh, and they absolutely destroy you. Yeah. What has been the biggest and most painful bump you've ever taken?
1: Um, or if you've got to like, go down to a top three, what would they be? I mean, that bare boards one was, is up there, Definitely. Because even when you like bump in a ring for the first time, it knocks the wind out of you. But when you do it on, a, a, you know, just wood, it's like multiplied by a, a thousand. So that that one was definitely it was off a shoulder tackle as well.
0: And it was the first of like a hundred bumps to
1: be taking in that match. But I just took it as if like, oh, uh, yeah. Just, this is just a normal ring, so I just like proper snap bumped it, and it was I was just like, <coughs> I just rolled out the ring to, just to get my breath. Um, so I'd probably say that's that's definitely up there um, I always seem to do stuff with the chairs where I kind of like interlock them and then turn them on the side yeah and I know it's gonna suck yeah and I know it's gonna be horrible and I know that I probably shouldn't do it and I know that in a couple of years time I definitely probably shouldn't have done it because my back will really really hurt yeah but I know that it gets a good reaction because it just looks disgusting like it's just it's horrible <laughs> Like two chairs interlocked on the side, of it. and you just get thrown onto it. So, I always, I always really enjoy doing that one because I know it's going to get a good reaction. Um, it's like shit. Yeah, it's, it's awful. <laughs> I really should stop doing it. I really should stop. But like I say, I want I want to do stuff that like that gets a good reaction. So I always know that's going to get a, a reaction, regardless of whether people like feel sick or cheer. It's getting a reaction for me. Um, that's probably like the worst way to like, I've taken a bump. I mean, like the the worst thing that I've had done to me, I'd probably say is the Guitar Hero that, that Brooks gave me when we had our Fans Bring the Weapon yeah. match. Like, someone had actually sat there all night and glued like 200 thumbtacks onto the back of this Guitar Hero controller. And when he smacked it on my back, the neck of the guitar broke off and then it was just sticking in me. <laughs> It was, um, it was, like, the first two minutes of the match. And that, that I'd, I'd definitely say that's the most painful thing that I've had. Um, we, uh, I was at that show with my girlfriend, and mm. that that
0: happens, and she looks at me, and I returned, I just look back at her and go, it's just getting started. It's literally
1: two minutes in, there's plenty more to go. And then we start pulling out salt and crazy stuff. But I'm sure we'll talk about Chris. We, we will, that is definitely on this.
0: Uh, we talked about, like, your your biggest bumps because of the style you do and there not been a lot of hardcore wrestlers in this country. Mm. I think off top of my head, I could probably name five who are known rightly for their hardcore stuff. That means when hardcore wrestlers from, or stars or legends or icons that you've looked up to are brought over into this country, Mm -hmm. you're on the top list of people they go into face. So who have you wrestled who've been your big icons or but can you remember somebody that you got to wrestle and you were just in awe over the fact that you were going to be wrestling them?
1: Um, well, I mean, obviously, being able to wrestle Abyss was a huge deal, and I've got to do that twice. And like, kamikaze have always been really good to me. Where was it
0: both times? Kamikaze? Uh, or...
1: Yeah, both kamikaze. Uh, one in the Cadbury Club in Vaugh- Bourneville, and then the second one was at Aston Uni. Okay. Um, so I was uh, the first time, I, you know, I was super nervous because Abyss ain't a small dude. He's massive. He's a huge guy, man. But he's also one of the nicest people <laughs> I could ever possibly want to meet. Um, so I turned up at the the cabaret club and I was just like, I was just waiting around for him to turn up, and then he just walked into the door, almost just engulfed the door. And I was just like, Jesus, man, he's so big. He's massive. What am I going to be able to do? But we, we ended up having like a pretty decent match and he was very, very complimentary. What sort of match was it? Uh, we had a monster's ball. Okay, I thought it was. So he, uh, Harry Ald credit to him, had uh, made a little Janice, had got the two by four and been hammering nails into it. <clears throat> so that was pulled out during the match. and um, Yeah, he was, he was very, very complimentary to me afterwards. Um, he was under the impression that I'd been wrestling for a long, long time but by that point I think I'd only been doing it properly for like six years uh, so yeah he was super complimentary um, then we got to do it again uh, we did the uh, Monsters Ball again in Aston Uni. And at the end of the match we um, he's kind of like set up him coming back over again so when he does come back over we're going to have a cage match at Kamikaze I don't know when it's going to happen but it's definitely going to and then <clears throat> obviously Tommy Dreamer
0: we had a conversation about this the other week, didn't we?
1: was, again, kamikaze. Um, that was, that's someone who, when I started watching ECW, I was completely in awe of. Like, I idolised Tommy Dreamer for years. And I always, what well, his matches were, like, one of my favourite ECW matches. Him and, like, Raven, that whole feud. Yeah. That whole thing, him and Sandman. Everything about it, like, and, it was, and his promos, like, the passion that he had for like hardcore wrestling I just you know, I was just completely in awe of everything that he did so when I got a chance to wrestle him I just didn't really know it was really happening again until I got there where was this? And, uh, this was at Bourneville again Kamikaze Kamikaze um, so yeah so again like I got there and he was already there and just messing around on his laptop and I was just like shit man I can't actually believe that I'm going to wrestle tommy dreamer like it's a huge deal and again uh he was very complimentary you know standard hardcore match um took get around the venue a lot of fun really a lot of loads of fun and you know if it ever happens again i would be more than more than up for it and then you know obviously like you say there's not many hardcore wrestlers in in the uk but the first time I got to wrestle Jimmy was a massive deal. Yeah, because um, I used to go to shows that Jimmy was on. Uh, he didn't do many in the Midlands, but every time you know he did one in the Midlands, I always wanted to go. <clears throat> and I'd just watch there. I'd just be sitting there watching, thinking, like, "Oh God, I really want to wrestle Jimmy Havoc," because he yeah. was like the only other British hardcore wrestler that I was aware of. So I was, like this, this is like for my goal to to re- for like wrestling here is to, to wrestle Jimmy. So the first time we got to do that Fight Club Pro was massive and like he, he has been a big influence on me and I you know, to say that he's one of like my one of my good friends now as well. Like I'm buzzing off it and like we hang out and bullshit and we like the same music. Yeah, you gonna say a bit, yeah. All that kind of stuff and we're very similar. So yeah, having been been able to wrestle Jimmy, you know, several times now top stuff man wasn't was that was that built up or was that just a match that was announced um, people I think when I started at Fight Club at that point like people knew um, the hardcore wrestling was what I was there to do and <clears throat> we didn't really build it up it was just always talked about like after the shows people would always say oh you need to get Jimmy down here and we really want to see Clip versus Jimmy and then we didn't really have any build. It was just announced. It was like, bang, it's happened. So this is the day. It's at the planet. It's this much to get in. If people really want to see it, then they just need to come down to the planet. Um,
0: to move on from that, I feel that even though those matches come cannot know when they happen and they're absolutely great, I still think that your best stuff, and we touched on it a couple of seconds ago, um, is you and Brooks. And I feel that one of the reasons that is one of your bests is because it wasn't just a hardcore match. There was so much emotional investment in that. And that's again. That's when wrestling in my opinion becomes. It transcends. Mm. It's when you're able to emotionally connect. And get the crowd fully into it. How did you and Brooks in that hardcore match come about? And if anyone hasn't seen this. Please go find <laughs> him and Brooks. It is one of my favorite matches. Not even saying that. Oh thank you very much. No, It was, it was the first uh, Fight Club Pro show. <laughs> I took my girlfriend to as well. And she absolutely loved it.
1: Oh good. Nice. Um, a lot of credit does go to Chris. He uh, initially, the first of the three matches, it was just supposed to be me versus Chris. Uh Chris is like super heel at Fight Club Pro. People hate him. He comes out, he spits water at people, he, he sticks his fingers in people's ears, wet willism. People just find him obnoxious, they hate him. And luckily I've been able I've been able to, you know, always be a fan favourite of Fight Club Pro. So it was just like, we'll just have Chris come out and just be a dick. And then, you know, Clint can come out and be all like, yay. And then we just kind of build it as like a hardcore match. And it was just literally supposed to be just a one-off. It was just like, we'll just do Chris and and Clint for this show. And he's been
0: very clever over the last year that I think it was just supposed to be him and Nixon on a one-off. And he built an entire story yep. around storyline around that, so the fact that he then took the initiative again with you to do the same mm-hmm. is
1: great definitely I, and uh, chris is very story orientated i think with his wrestling he wants like he wants to build and he wants stuff to be done with purpose and drama and, yeah, and... he wants drama and he wants people to go through all these different emotions and you know he wants to pay off at the end i think and he he pushed for the way that the match was going to work with, with Zaki to make it into another one. So then we'd have a reason to have another match. And then it just went from there to the, to the end, the fans bring the weapons match. But like you say, there was so much emotion going into it. Um, you know, we had the the normal hardcore match and he beat me, which people probably thought wasn't going to happen. Um, then Mm. we went into the, the show after where we had the, I quit chain match. Um, where he beat me again, but then we obviously had that whole thing where you know my girlfriend got in the ring to to stop him. I never saw this
0: live. So how did that how did that play out?
1: Um, so we we having the match, and and Chris had initially said on like Twitter and stuff that he was gonna because we booked it as booked it as an I Quit match, and he basically said like I don't know how I'm gonna make him say I Quit. I think I'm gonna need to you know do something that's more personal. So that's how we—that's how it was kind of left and then he chained me up in the ropes with, with the chain and he was stapling me, like pulled my top over my head and he was just sta- like, getting like three or four staples in the chest and like in the arm and stuff and like stapled my t-shirt to my head and I wasn't like quitting or anything like that. So he got out of the ring and he was like looking around for something to, to make me quit and then he went and grabbed my girlfriend, dragged her into the ring
0: have you still got your T-shirt over your head at this point?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've still got it over my head and then he pulled my T-shirt. So the crowd's going mental yeah, at this Yeah, the point. crowd are going mental, I can't see. He pulls my T-shirt down and like there's Lily standing in front of me. So I start losing my shit, just going mental.
0: But you're chained to the ropes and you can't move. Yeah,
1: and he, he drags her drags her over to an open chair and he puts her head on the chair like he's going to like curb stomp her into the chair. So I pull the ref in and I, you know, I do the whole, you know, fuck, fuck it, I quit, I quit, stop it, leave her alone, I quit. And then she crawls over to me, Chris gets out of the ring, and then he gets back in the ring, because he's just a prick and he's just not done. She turns around, and he just gives him a big, fucking big boot, straight to the face.
0: I remember her saying, uh, speaking to me about it, and she went, I'm afraid I just wasn't going to fall over, and then she went, and then Chris made me fall over. Yeah. Because he, man, he connected with that.
1: Ollie Sandler got such a great, no. Was it Ollie? I think it was Ollie. Was it Ollie? No, it was Jim. She was Jim. It was up, it Jim. Sorry, Jim. It was Jim Maitland. Uh, he got an amazing picture of the impact, and like my girlfriend's got like bright orange mm. hair, so it looks like a head, has a, a hair's just a head just exploded. Yeah. And you can't see her face, and you can't see Chris's foot, but it's just good. it's just in her face. Like the picture's amazing, that and the the reaction to it was just there was just starts like silence, I don't think people knew because people knew people knew that she was my girlfriend, you know she does the bar and stuff at the shows, so people were aware of who she is and the fact that he just literally just kicked my girlfriend in her face in front of me. it was just people just lost it, and then like we, we they didn't... wanted
0: to see the third then yeah. they wanted to see the third
1: yeah there was there was a whole point then to having the third one you know. The, the video package that was put together by MK absolutely incredible who, I messaged uh, him about that and said yeah. it was unreal he was, he's brilliant at editing and you know he does all his he's uni stuff he's all you know films and everything like that he's super into it and he edited this, this video package together that people who hadn't seen the first match or the second match they already knew why we were having this and there was a, such a big story built around it and we only did it over like three shows People were that emotionally invested in it, and I think it was because people knew how I felt watching my girlfriend getting kicked in the face, like you watching someone you love getting beaten up by someone you hate, yeah you know how that feels, and people were super super invested in it, and it was just it was like all credit to Chris he was just so clever about the the whole thing the, the whole way we did it, like hats off to him it was it's one of my favorite series of matches and easily the fight my favorite like angle that I've ever done at fight club
0: moving forward now we just started a new year 2017 what do you have planned or what's your goals or aims for this year
1: um I just want like, r- to wrestle in just as many places as I possibly can you know I'm doing more shows outside of fight club than I ever have. Um, I've just started doing shows with North Wrestling in Newcastle. That's good. So I've got their second show coming up in February, the day after. Is that hardcore? Uh, I think, yeah, we're going to do hardcore with me versus Damien. Done. <laughs> okay, that's that's different. So I've done one with him before a kamikaze. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Like, that North show, they've only, I think this is only their third show. But, you know, the crowd are good. You know, it's over 18s. Everyone gets a little bit drunk and... There's a lot of profanity and all the fun stuff. Um, IPW, you know, I've I've done a, I've done a few shows for them uh, last year, so I'm hoping that I can do more shows as well this year because they, you know, they've started like the whole Flow Slam thing, yeah, um, which is just a great platform for more people in in, in British wrestling to get their name out there. Um, yeah, I just just keep having fun with wrestling. That's, that's the whole. That's the whole, my whole thing for this year. I just want to have as much fun wrestling, just as, in as many places as possible. Obviously, my main goal. Um, the you know it's death match wrestling, but obviously, a t- tournament of death is my be all and end all. Like some people want to do Madison Square Garden, some people want to do WrestleMania. I want to wrestle in DJ Hard's back garden in Delaware. Like that's my big big goal and I've been a massive fan of CZW for, for years so tournament of death is like the deathmatch tournament
0: so 2017 that would be if that if you could do that this year that would be
1: yeah if I if I could do that this year then plus all the other stuff that hopefully I'll get to do this year that would be perfect for me
0: well Ricky Shane Page debuted last year and then went on to win it of course he did he year. did and you had a cork little match with him as well didn't Yes, you?
1: Yeah. yeah it was alright lovely blow. he is the, the nicest guy what a fella that's the greatest yeah he, and he loves all of like the attack guys and he's just like a really new, nice, like, nice dude to be around isn't him. he yeah he's just a great guy okay how I like to finish
0: these off if you were to give your former self any advice or anybody new coming into the business now some advice what would it be um
1: hmm don't put two steel chairs together, <laughs> and then lie them on their side to get thrown onto. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Just like soak up every experience that you can. Talk to as many people as possible. Um, sometimes I wish that I, you know, I'd done that myself. I could, sometimes I'm not very vocal at shows. You know, I should probably ask more people to like watch my stuff and I always like I know I always ask Jimmy whenever I'm on shows with him to like to you know give me feedback and stuff and I always take that and uh, Mastiff was always giving me feedback as well Uh, Spud was the same but yeah just, just talk to as many people as you can like go to as many training sessions as you can you know there's a lot more there's a lot more training schools out there now I think um there's a lot more options to to train um I think that's about it, really. Yeah, just, 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 and just wrestle just as many places as possible. Yeah, yeah. Just get your name out and just do as many things as you can, because you never know when it, you know, it's going to end. That's good. Where can they find you on the interweb then, Clint? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Clint Margera. You can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Clint DMW. Deathmatch (laughs) wrestling. Yeah, that's (laughs) it.
0: Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. You too, man. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks. Thanks. Mate, bye. Clint Magira, everyone. What to I tell you? Absolutely cracking conversation with Clint this week. I really enjoy how it wasn't just Clint's story, but it was a lot about Fight Club Pro. Kind of chat a little bit about Trent Seven as well in there. But uh told me a lot of stuff I didn't know. As I said, never get to sit down and chat with people. These days it shows, well you do, but you're more talking about the shows or this or that and, and sometimes you just don't know their story so it was absolute pleasure to sit down with Clint and this is one of the reasons why uh, I'm going to continue to do these podcasts, even though I'm back, I'm going to continue to do these podcasts, not just because you guys enjoy it and not just because I love putting them out, because I do, both accounts I really do, but also that I really do love sitting down and chatting with people and just getting to know their story and I feel, I feel closer to the person after every single conversation I do, I really do feel, that much closer, love a gathering, I really do love a gathering, and it's been bringing me closer to my friends, so yeah, well, that was an absolutely wonderful one from Clint, and I think his passion came through in leaps and bounds through that conversation, and you really can tell that he's so passionate about his style of wrestling, wrestling in general, but his style in particular, and I love that, I love the fact that he says that he never wanted to be anything but a deathmatch worker, and that's what he wanted to be and uh i love that be be true to who you are be true to who you want because you do along this crazy road you do kind of get lost in the shuffle and you do start to uh to become things that you never thought you would become because you know that's the way the tide's moving that's the way you think you should move with it but be true to yourself anyone's listening out there be true to yourself be true to who you are and be true to what you want to represent and clint's a really good example of that and uh He's absolutely killing it, he really is. Uh him and Drew him and Drew had one of my favourite matches at uh Wrestle House a couple of months back for Attack Pro Wrestling and Fight Club Pro, so definitely go check that out. But yeah, absolutely fantastic conversation with Clint Mongeira. And yeah, I guess that sums it up really. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks, Clint. Appreciate it, mate. Next week's guest is Nathan Cruz. Nathan Cruz on the show. This is uh, the one I've probably been meaning to do for the longest time after Eddie Dennis because I think Nathan contacted me after the second or third podcast and went, yep, we need to get this done. We definitely do. And every time I saw him at Progress, it was either I was late or he was late or I was just doing one or I already said yes to somebody else because it was the only time I could get them. And it's just been revolving tour of it not happening for so long. So Sunday... Before the big return, got to sit down with Nathan, the man is the most exquisitely dressed man in all of British wrestling. We go into that, we chat about that, we chat about everything from his start. In Yorkshire, we talk about All-Star, we talk about WWE, we talk about the UK tournament, we talk about all that. And it's a really great chat. We talk about the screw in the US and stuff as well. I wasn't going to let him get away with that. Because, do you know what, my first impression of Nathan was through that. And it wasn't a very positive one. But now, I really do like Nathan. And I get along with Nathan. And we're really good mates. And I do look forward to seeing Nathan in every show. So I was determined, determined to get that. His side. I had Mark Askin's side. I've had uh, Eddie Dennis' side. And I was determined to get Nathan Cruises. So yeah, this is a really good one. It's a really full, in-depth discussion and i say it every week but it probably is one of my favorites and it's a great joy to be able to sit down and have these chats with my mates because again learning stuff that i never learned about and really opening my eyes and my ears to everything they've got to say so not just not just great for you guys it's great for me as well to sit down and chat so yeah so yeah next week's guest Nathan Cruz Of course, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, you can support us, of course, by heading over to our sponsors at defendingwrestling.com and helping them out, you know, buy something from them, Circle of Positivity and all that, pay to them, pay back to me, you know, all that stuff. Of course, by jumping over to morganwebs.biggottel.com. We're going to have some new t-shirts up in the next couple of weeks, thanks to the return. Whoa, they're, uh, they're lovely, they really are, and uh, they're going to be up in the next couple of weeks. Of course, I do have a few of those, uh, the white ones left and uh they're up there at five pound at the moment or oh, i might i might start putting a bundle together with a dvd and a t-shirt we'll see in the next week or two but yeah definitely do it jump over to morganwebs.bigcartel.com and support us that way but of course i do understand as i say at the start that uh, i know i understand that not, not everyone can support us uh, financially so hey just give us a, just give us a shout out on the social media i love seeing those tweets of course i'm on twitter at flash underscore morgan i'm on the facebook at facebook.com for slash flash morgan webster i'm on the instagram at FlashMorganWebster. And of course, if you do want to be a sponsor, if you do want to send me some tech advice or a discreet little email, or of course, if you do, if you do want to book me for an upcoming event, you can do that now. You can, of course, do that over at FlashMorgan at Live.co.uk. Okay. Also, as well, you might hear the plug halfway through the show. I mean, did did it last week as well. I do have a pro wrestling. I do have a uh, have a wrestling friends live coming up, and that is going to be over at Attack Pro Wrestling's uh, Chris Travis Tag Team Invitational. That's going to be on day two. We're going to do that maybe around about eleven o'clock. Not too early because we're all probably going to be stupidly hungover. But definitely, definitely check it out. Uh, no tickets, just a donation on the door to uh Cavendish Cancer Care, who were absolutely great. When it came to uh, Chris in his final weeks and his final days. And they were absolutely brilliant supporting him and supporting his family in that way. So, definitely, please head down to that if you're in the Cardiff area. Give a donation. Good cause. It's going to be a lot of fun as I attempt to facilitate a gathering and a chat with some of my wrestling friends. I'm probably probably not going to announce who they are. I think it'll be a lot more fun for the... uh, for the viewers if they don't know who they are and they get to know on the day. So yeah, probably not going to announce it. But yeah, if you're in the Cardiff area, 100%, 100%, definitely head down to Attack Pro Wrestling, Chris Travis, Tag Team Invitational, or Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends Life. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. I guess that wraps up another show. Big thanks to Clint Margero for being on the show. Big thanks to Nathan Cruz as well for being next week's guest. Big thanks to our sponsor, DefendingNewWrestling.com. Uh, big thanks to any of you guys who've picked up anything over at com. I did send up some stuff the other day, so you guys are absolutely lovely for doing that. But uh, apart from that, big thanks to you guys for the last 10 months, not just because of the listening to the podcast, but all the support, buying those DVD bundles, which really helped me, uh, supporting the podcast, as I said, but oh, any tweets, any notification, any message I've had of you guys, or any bit of support through these last 10 months, which have feels like a lifetime ago i can't remember the last time i wrestled me and sabre feels like years ago but uh to hear that reaction on sunday as i said earlier on was absolutely mind-blowing and i don't think i'll ever forget how that really made me feel and your support and your encouragement through these last 10 months have been absolutely great so big big thanks to you guys big thanks to you guys for doing that because it really does mean the world to me to know that you've got my back so yeah Big thanks to Clemonger, big thanks to uh, our sponsors, Nathan Cruz, but especially big thanks to you guys. So, yeah, that wraps up another episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. All that's left to say is it's always a pleasure, it's always a treasure. And bye. Thanks for stopping by, guys. Thanks.